What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Gaelic Gridiron Podcast. Uh, it's been a while since we've done an episode, but we're, we're back again. And uh, I'm delighted and honoured to be joined by uh, a legendary Steelers player, Mr. Rocky Blyer. Rocky, how are you? I'm fine, Jimmy. Very nice. Thank you very much for having me on your program. Rocky, having you on the podcast, you know, it's, it's extra special for me because not only am I a Steelers fan, I'm also a Notre Dame fan. And you played for both teams during your day. Yeah, you know, and I was, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting story, I suppose. And I had the opportunity to, uh, you know, play with uh, both teams. Um, and, you know, sometimes you wonder how it happens. You know, how did you get to Notre Dame or how did you get to the Steelers? Um, and uh, in my case specifically, we had, now we're going back in time. Jimmy, we're going back in time. To... Not, not that, not that long ago. You're still a young man, Rocky. <laughs> no, you're very kind. <laughs> very kind. So we go. So anyway, so coming out of high school, this was back in 1964, and um, I and I and I and I tell people, I said, you know, we had a great, a very good high school football team. You know, there was a chain. The baby boomers, us baby boomers, were coming of age. And so in that case, high schools were being built and uh, being a cradle Catholic, it was a brand new Catholic high school that was built in the latter part of the 50s. Uh, and then, uh, so I, my first year was 1960, and it was only a three-year school at that time. By my sophomore year, uh, we were a four-year school in now and in a conference, and so in a conference. But we had great guys that were drawn from the area because it's a new Catholic school. And we had a great coach by the name of Torchy Clark. And I say that because he came out of um, the grade school programs and he was at a rival grade school uh, dominant uh, coach in basketball primarily, but he also coached football. And we go to, uh, and we go to Xavier and we get into the conference and during that period of time and those four years that we were there, I only, I lost or we lost a, five basketball games. So we were undefeated in football and we lost, a, we were undefeated. My junior year and senior year, uh, we were undefeated in both Teams were the number one ranked team in in Wisconsin. Uh, we won the state championship and we lost the state championship. My senior, so we had some recognition, and I just say yeah. recognition. Now, growing up in a small midwestern town, Appleton, Wisconsin, you know, during that period of time, um, I wasn't necessarily a Notre Dame fan. I wasn't necessarily any school fan. I mean, there was the University of Wisconsin, um, and uh, but it wasn't a big deal as it is today. Uh, exposure wasn't that much like on television and, and so on as it is today. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, as, I, as I, 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 I tell people, I said, probably one of the best pieces of advice, and I went to visit, uh, well, it was the recruiter uh, for Notre Dame. Um, who had that area in Wisconsin. And he, and, and he said to me, he said, listen, he said, listen, let's, and it made common sense to me. He said, listen, you're going to get a lot of scholarship offers, basically big 10 schools in that area. Yeah. And some division 
uh, 1A schools and so on. And he said, you're going to, and every time you go visit that school, they're going to roll out the red carpet and show you a good time. And after you've gone to five, six, seven, maybe different schools, you know, and then you have to make that decision. So it becomes, it becomes somewhat confusing in how you choose to where you're going to go to school. He said, my piece of advice is choose three schools that you would like to graduate from and not necessarily play football. Yeah. Only because of the fact that anything can happen, as you well know, injuries can, you know, yeah. wipe out your, your, your career at an early age, but at least you get a good education. And yeah. for me, it just made common sense. And so I did, of course, what every good Catholic boy was taught to do, and that was to go to church, get on their knees, pray for guidance and direction, making the right choice, God. And then, like every good Catholic boy, I did what my mother wanted me to do, <laughs> and that was go to Notre Dame. <laughs> that's how I, that's how I ended up there. But but you know, and so I, I, we weren't big, you know. And I didn't know much history. My folks, of course, did not go to college, um, and there wasn't a whole lot of Notre Dame, you know, people in 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 that was in Wisconsin area at the time, um, and so. We had a new coach, Eric Barsegian, wherever he came from, didn't know who that was and uh, by, my, by, my, by my freshman year. But it was an interesting period of time how things changed. And all of a sudden, we got great people and talent. And one of the things that changes, if I may <laughs> dominate this conversation, Absolutely, yeah. is, is that in 1964, the NCAA changed their substitution ruling. So prior to that, you could only substitute three players at the change of the ball. So a couple of receivers, your quarterback goes out, but everybody had to play both ways. And if yeah. you think about that, now all of a sudden it, it really reduces opportunities for other people because you have to have a fullback that can play middle linebacker, you know, um, a running back that maybe be an outside linebacker or safety or, you know, so on their yeah. ways. Well, that changed, which allowed um, the coach to change positions. So all of a sudden, older or older, upperclassmen, um, we had a guy by the name of Pete Taranko became an All-American defensive tackle, but he was a fullback. He was a fullback yeah. at 240 pounds, and they made him a defensive tackle. We had another running back that was like 6'4", 230 pounds. They made him an offensive tackle. So all of a sudden, these people were being moved in different directions, which opened an opportunity for other younger players to come yeah. in and play. And so we got a chance to we got a chance to play, and you know, and and, and through the selection of of whatever you know i was playing and we had a full backfield so i was playing right halfback we had a full back and a left halfback nick eddy was our left halfback and he was an all-american uh, at that time um and so you know so i was the backup you know as a sophomore i was a backup to the senior running back who was a right yeah. halfback, and he got hurt the last couple of games and i got a chance to play not that it was uh, but i was just in the right place at the right time yeah the following season, you get a chance to start, and we won a national championship. Why my exactly, and, th and that was that was my next question. You you actually won a national championship at Notre Dame, so that in itself is a massive achievement. But I'd love to get your thoughts on 
the current program and whether you, what you think their chances are of winning a national championship in the next couple of years. I well, see you laughing there. I see you laughing there. You're probably thinking the same thing as I am. Slim yeah. to none. Well, that's right. You know, so I think there's a couple of things that 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 um, need to be looked at, and that is um, um, coaching staff one, mm. and 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 I say that just in general because um, it becomes a developed leadership role, an experience role of being able to. You know, it's very difficult. It's very, very difficult. It's a wonderful guy. It's very difficult to come as an assistant coach with no head coaching experience anywhere else yeah. and then step in at Notre Dame and the expectations yeah. we have. Uh, and, and, and so, so, but with, with time, you know, and, and experience, um, that will, that will change. And so that's what we have to do is to be able to give them some time, you know, recruiting, Recruiting helps, and obviously coming to Notre Dame. Um, and you know, one of the other things, and so this is the, the the whole portal system that we have now. I don't necessarily agree with. Um, not, I, I don't agree with it. Only, I, I mean, I agree with it, and I understand if, if if people aren't playing, you know, that they can move someplace else. But you know how difficult it is to get transfer players to come in and then try to work as a unit yeah. when they haven't played together for a year or two years, you know, and, and, yeah. and get to know one another. So those are some of the difficulties. But I think from a leadership role um, and from the ability to get good personnel, um, it's just it's just it, it, it's part of that leadership, but also is the creation of getting those teams and individuals to work together. And that just takes some time. So you went from Notre Dame, you were drafted by the Steelers, but you were also drafted to Vietnam. So you had a bit of a circuitous route to the, to the pros. And it's such an inspirational story. And people can read all about it in your, in your book. But I'd love to hear about it in your own words, if you wouldn't mind. Well, you know, so I did. I was um, so I got drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, and, you know, and I. Uh, so as I said, or made mention, you know, I was. Um, uh, we won the national championship my junior year, and then uh, I, I was selected captain of the football team uh, my senior year, and um, and in the second last game of the season, um, I tore my ACL. Uh, in that game, and I, I missed a game out in Southern Cal, and then the, the the draft came in. Unlike today, it's in February, but it was in April, so it bought me a yeah. couple of months. So there was this little asterisk. I'm sure that was over my, you know, my my, my name having an ACL tear. And, uh, and now I'm going to listen to your listeners out there. I was not an All American. I was not a Nick Eddie. I was not the primary running back is on. I had a role. I played that role very well. Yeah, I'm sure you played it very well as well. I mean, you contributed <laughs> to a national championship program at Notre Dame, which is no no mean feat by any stretch of the imagination. Well, that's right. But, you know, so you fit in. Anyway, so um, I my expectations weren't high about the draft. And so it was a three-day draft. And they had 17 rounds back then, unlike the seven rounds they have today, um, and 17 rounds. The mentality, and I'm saying this, is that the mentality, and the reason they had 17 rounds, because the mentality of uh, 
of teams was that you're part of this team. If we draft you, yeah. you're part of this team. Not and so um, and if you don't make it, if you don't make it within this confine, you know, then other teams go. Well, there's something wrong with him. You know, it does, he's not going to fit into our team and so on. So. Um, and so the the first round draft is was uh, you know on Friday and on Friday and so that was like the first three rounds or whatever it is and and then Saturday was the next maybe seven eight rounds and then the Sunday it went quickly because it was the end of the, so so anyway and I'll have to tell you the story if I may so Please. we we were out uh, we went out to dinner my roommate a couple of my teammates with a family that, um, that took us under their wing and, you know, and entertained us and, 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 uh, and shared their time with their family. So uh, we went out to dinner and we went back to their house and the draft was going on later that night. And so our conversation after dinner back there, we had a, you know, uh, we had a libation in which we were sharing with one another. And, uh, and so it was much like, Hey, spring, you know, spring breaks coming up and you know, where we're going to go, you know, how's the school, you know, what are we going to do with our futures? Blah, blah, blah. And so on. And we, you know, are, are you going to go home? Are you going to stay here for spring break? And so then all of a sudden it was, uh, Oh, and in the draft today, um, several people were picked from the South Bend area. So-and-so from Indiana went here. So-and-so from Indiana State went here. And uh, Notre Dame's captain, Bob Rocky Blyer, was drafted number 16th by the Pittsburgh Steelers. So there was a lull in the conversation. Hey, congratulations. <laughs> anyway, where are we going to go on spring break? <laughs> and that was my, that was my celebration. <laughs> Of being drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers, so I was the 417th person picked in the draft that year, um, <laughs> and I told people, you know, that I was 16th round, but there were 17 rounds. At least it was not the last guy picked. At least you weren't Mister Irrelevant, Rocky. You, were, you, right. were, you weren't picked dead last. That's the main thing. That's right. So you got to a team. So I, I came, you know, I came to, I, I came to Pittsburgh, and. Uh, they had only, you know, I got, they had only won a couple of games a year before and so on. And, and in my rookie year, they only won two games. They were the losingest football team in the first 40 years of, 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 of history. But um, I, I made the team. I, you know, and I made the team. And I tell you the reason I made the team, because of the fundamentals uh, that were taught to me at Notre Dame. And... Uh, how the little things make a difference yeah. in one's uh, in one's career. You know, I always tell people this. I said one of the things that we used to do or had to do is that if you were in, if you were lined up on the right side of the line, you had to get into a left-handed stance. When you lined up to the left side of the line. You had to get into a right-handed stance. Now, most people very naturally get into a right-handed stance only because that's the thing they're taught. Most people are right-handed, so that becomes the dominant thing. And I tell people this, I, you know, I said, okay, fine. You have to make a change. You, you know, well, how awkward is it? I said, well, fold your arms, you know, so people fold their arms. Okay, just fold your arms. Okay, fine. Now, now fold them the other way. 
uh, then <laughs> go on. It's it's not natural anyway. So that was that was kind of it, and, and all the reasonings why from a from 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 a, 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 a an approach point of view, whether it be a hole or a blocking, you know, where you were one step crossover, whatever it might be, you are in the right position to be able to block, you know, and or turn up into a hole, whatever that might be. Yeah. Those little things, you know, um, made a difference. Now, I'm going to quickly fast forward. In my rookie year with the Pittsburgh Steelers, we're in training camp. And so the coach, and at that time, at that time, they didn't know what to do with me. I mean, I was another running back. I also played some slot back positions, catching yeah. the ball at Notre Dame, in which we had. So I'm with the receivers at the time. He said, now, there's a change. The rules change. The rules change in the NFL. Uh, there's no more uh, 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 cross-body blocking coming back and and trying to block that outside linebacker, you know, now you or clipping them. Now you need yeah. to get your head in front of their shoulders. Mm -hmm. So, so how many of you can get into a left-handed stance? <laughs> so it served, it served you well, the little things at Notre Dame. That's right. And I raised my hand and I'm the only one. And he said, because we don't want you to cheat in, you know, we want you in a left-handed stance. So all you have to do is drive down that line on your right foot. And so all you know, I I say this and share it, but I think at times it's just those little things that mm. make a difference in how you approach life and how yeah. what the and how they approach you and what you can do. And so um anyway, so that was a that was a uh, so I got a chance to play. So I got a chance to play, made the team special teams player primarily. And so I I played 10 of 14 games at that season um when i um we're at <laughs> we're practicing at old pitt stadium that's where we practice that's where we play yeah. our, uh, our games um as well and uh and so we were in the locker room in the, the uh so <laughs> the one of the uh one of the locker room guys hollers at me he said hey rock you got a you got a letter over here so we had this table where all the fan mail would be deposited for all the players it was a place i'd never visited from that first day of training camp up through that 10th game now when you're the 417th person picked in the draft anyway so so i go over and pick up my letter and i think well, who's writing me a letter maybe it's a notre dame fan wants an autograph from a former captain so i picked it up very tenderly uh, open it up and it said greetings we'd like to inform you that you've been inducted into the armed services of your <laughs> and it was my 1a classification no it was a, it was my draft notification that uh i had uh <laughs> and i go oh my goodness gracious now probably and i have to backtrack because part of the story is probably the happiest day of my life at that moment in time was we were in training camp and bill austin was our head coach and right after our practice he pulled me aside he said listen i said i'm sorry this letter was uh, opened accidentally uh and it was my 1a classification which made me eligible to be drafted. Mm -hmm. But we think you're good enough to make this team, and we will take care of this for you. 
whatever taking care of this meant, I did not know, but I'm thinking, oh, okay, fine. Whatever didn't ask. Got me in the reserve, National Guard, whatever it might be. And so, well, a couple of months went by, a couple of months went by. And, and so I checked on it and he said, did you hear anybody about taking care of this? And, and he said, well, you know, we're having our problems, but don't worry about it. You know, the general retired, the congressman got defeated. You know, all our contacts are not there anymore. He said, but don't worry about it. Well, I didn't have to worry about it because shortly thereafter I got that draft notification. And it was to report the next morning. Jesus. At 7 a.m. I mean, it was just that it was post dated or whatever it is got lost. Yeah. But, but my report day, and I go, oh my goodness. Well, my world was turned up very quickly upside down. Absolutely. <laughs> and so, um, and went down to the, went through the whole process um, and I was gone to basic training. And so then um, after basic advanced infantry training, like thousands of other young men during a period of time, I found myself in Vietnam. And people can, you know, for anyone listening who wants to find out more about your about your incredible story of, of resilience, um, the book is called Fighting Back. And I'm, I'm very much looking forward to, to reading about it. We, we won't dwell we won't dwell too much on it here because we want to give people something to look forward to. But I'd love to know, Rocky, I mean, you had such an incredible career with the Steelers uh, when you did come back from your, from, from, from your time in the Army and abroad. Uh, you won four Super Bowls, and I'd, I'd imagine one of, something like that is probably one of your favorite memories of, from your entire playing career. You know, and it's a, it, the interesting thing, it was much like Notre Dame, you know, changes that took place, people getting the right people, leadership. You know, having leadership, Air Force Legion, right coaching staff, yeah. talented people, and all of a sudden it meshes together. Uh, and this was kind of the same thing. So I come back, um, Air, I mean, Air Force Legion, Chuck Knoll is now the new head coach. He lost, he won one game the, his first year there and lost 13 thereafter. But all of a sudden it started to develop and players started to develop and getting the right players uh, and starting to build a team. Uh, and so by 1972 was the first time in the history of the franchise did a team win the division and we got into the playoffs. And during the playoffs that year, and I'm going to remark on it, uh, it did boil down to one play that changes the course and direction of that team against the Oakland Raiders in the last 26 seconds of the game, a deflected pass uh, scooped up by Franco Harris as he scoots. 55 yards down the sideline to score to win the game. And it was really like things changed. We didn't lose yeah. the game. We won the game. And it was this sense of, of confidence. And uh, we lost the following week against Miami, their perfect season that year. But it was a start. And uh, yeah. so 73 came and then 74, and we, you know, and, and we won in 74. Um, we won the division and got into the playoffs and went to the Super Bowl in 74 uh, at that time. But you could just see the people rising to the occasion, having their talent, bringing out, you know, and starting to win and making things happen. And so that was really exciting to be a part of that. Was Franco your favorite teammate that you played with throughout your career with the Steelers? <laughs> Franco was a good friend. Uh, my favorite teammate was Jack Lambert. Okay. Okay. And the only reason I tell you, because he was my roommate for 
Oh, I got so many stories I could tell you about Jack Lambert. But I Please. But I <laughs> he's still alive, so. <laughs> I could tell you, but I, you, you could tell me, but you'd, ha you'd have to kill me afterwards. That's right. I would have to do that. You know, so, you know, the, 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 the thing about playing with Franco and getting a, an identity with that backfield. So with the backfields, I getting a chance to play with them um, and, and, and with Bradshaw and right at that right time in 1974, um, when I break into the starting lineup and, and, um, but playing with Franco and understanding Franco and his sense of, of his ability and so on. And, and he was a hard worker. You know, one of the things just that, as I remember with Franco, that every time he carried the ball in practice, every time he carried the ball, he would run 40 yards. I mean, he would run 40 yards. So he'd run 40 yards. So he'd come back, not run through the line, stop, come around like I did, but he would run 40 yards and and come back. And it was kind of that sense of discipline. And he was a big man. I mean, he was mm. three, 225 pounds uh, as a big fullback. And, and, and he had, and he had great speed, not necessarily electric speed, but all of a sudden, boom, he could turn it on and he had a long stride. In. Anyway, so, but he was the, you know, he, he, and he worked hard at his position to be able to do it. So it worked well, you know, within that. And I had a great deal of respect for him uh, in, 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 in that backfield. And, uh, you know, so there wasn't, it, it wasn't as if we knew our roles. Our roles was, it wasn't as if I was trying, how come I don't get the ball? Yeah. <laughs> well, Franco gets the ball all the time kind of an attitude. My role was to block for Franco as I best possibly can um, in, in that situation. Um, and that's a, that's a pretty tall task to block for a man of Franco Harris's stature. I mean, I, I would imagine he would, in this day and age, with the way that the positions are, I would envision Franco blocking for you, you know, with the, that's right. the slight, the slight height and weight differential that might might exist between the two of you now. <laughs> that's that's what we thought, <laughs> but it didn't work out though. <laughs> so it was, and so you know, and um, uh, and so it worked. I mean, it worked well, and we got along well in in yeah. as a, as a, as a teammate. You know, I, and I, I tell people, you know, one of the things is that Franco was the number one draft pick um, when he came in into the league in 1972 out of Penn State. And Franco, Franco did not have a car. Okay. And, and, and the reason he didn't have a car, because he got comments from young fans, from young kids and so on, who all, all they wanted to know was, Hey Franco, what kind of car do you have? You know, what did you buy? You know, you're the number one draft choice. You know, you get a Cadillac. What we, you know, this kind of stuff. And Franco, and it turned them off. You know, he said because all they value is a sense of mm -hmm. monetary worth. You know, and that's not what I want to try to. Do. But yeah. okay, to the demise with the rest of us, because we had to drive him to practice. <laughs> We, we had to pick him up or he'd take the bus, you know, or he'd be late or something like this. Thank God his rookie year, he was a uh, uh, rookie, uh, rookie, he was a player of the year and, and rookie of the year. And what came with that title 
was a car. <laughs> so we finally got it. At the end happy of the days. Day. That's right. Happy days. And we didn't have to drive them anymore. So. Rocky, I mean, you had such an, such an amazing career with the Steelers and you, you were recognized as one of the kind of, I suppose, well, you are recognized by fans as one of the the legendary Steelers players. But I'd love to get your thoughts on what the Steelers are doing now, which is expanding into Europe by marketing into Ireland to try and grow the fan base. And you, you might have heard from our mutual friend, Pat Steenberg, there's a the first of its kind. It's a fan watch party in Croke Park in a, less than less than a month's time. So, I mean, for, for you across there, it, it must be so strange to see the international uh, fandom of the Steelers. Well, you know, the I, I mean, I think it's an interesting thing from an NFL perspective um, mm. uh, of of. of maybe spreading this game out, you know, a little bit better. But our but the Steeler relationship obviously with Ireland, you know, has been kind of in the mix over years. The Rooney family, Irish established family, you know, here, uh, and their relationship with Ireland. Um when Dan Rooney uh, was ambassador to to Ireland and established that relationship. Um, that it kind of you know continues and kind of yeah. build upon it. Um, and so, you know, Patrick was so very Patrick Steenberg to your listeners. It was and he's involved with global football in which he brings high school you know teams over and around the world to be able to play and have that experience in different countries. And at times, sometimes may play from a team that is established in that country as he did in Ireland. Um, and so it becomes a great relationship builder, I think, one, honestly, for the NFL and for a relationship with the, um, with the Steelers uh, in, 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 in that country. Um, and so anything that we can do to build upon that becomes just becomes better in the relationship and how global football not only Patrick's but global football from an NFL perspective uh, and establishing and pushing out uh, a fan base you know outside of the continental United States becomes very important I think to uh, uh, to all sports and, and and so so yeah so we'll be hanging around and, and then we'll, that was, have, you, have you ever been? Have you ever been to Ireland, Rocky? No, I, I forgot I to ask you. That's usually my first question at the start of every podcast: is Have you ever been to Ireland? <laughs> That's right. No, I haven't. But I'm coming. You know. So I, I wanted Patrick to set. So I had. So I want the Roonies to establish a base. Patrick is built on that base. So now I now I have a lot of names from people who to call upon you being one. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, whatever I can do to get you across here, Rocky. I mean, uh, can you picture a Steelers game, be it regular season or otherwise, taking place in Dublin, in Ireland, in the next couple of years? Oh, yeah. Oh, very much so. Yeah, I, I can see it like that, you know, and that take place. Um, it would be, you know, it would be terrific to be able to do that. I just want to let you know also, just to just... Um, I do have some Irish in me, so I just okay. you know, there's a relationship. Maguire, my grandmother was a Maguire out of Minnesota, but anyway, so that, I said, so I, so I just it's, wanted it's, to take pride in that. It's it's definitely a uh, definitely an Irish name, 
Rocky, I've, I've like I've really, really enjoyed our conversation, and I have one last question for you. Um, who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl this year? Oh, nice question. <laughs> you kind of have to say the Steelers, don't no, you? I have no answer. I mean, I wish I could, you know, say I wish I could say the Steelers, but I just don't think that they're going to be able to do that this yeah. year as they as they built this team. So it, it is, you know. Um, it's midway during the season, and so we will we will just have to see. The second half of the season now becomes important, important in regards to um, injuries, personnel, you know, and who goes, who who picks up momentum, who changes it. I mean, we've seen it so many times in the past. Yeah. Uh, teams that struggled and all of a sudden kick in and, you know, and, and come out of the blue, let's say. So, um, so well, I you know, it's a chicken way of getting out of your question because I have. You haven't answered my question. You haven't given me a definitive answer. So I have because I don't. You're trying to know. dance around that one. I'm trying to, I because I just don't know. I don't know. I don't even know to pick. I'm not even smart enough to even pick somebody. To well, listen, Rocky. It's been an absolute, it's such a pleasure talking to you and listening to to the amazing stories and hearing about your playing career. Um, I I really sincerely hope you do get across here soon and we get a chance to catch up in person. Um, and yeah, all the best for the future. All right, Jimmy, I appreciate it very much. Thank you for your time. Great talking to Rocky.